Good morning. Let's all stand. I take one second to welcome back our awesome <laughs> worship leader. Wow. Thank you. It's good to be back and to worship with our family, church family. Then the darkness flees. Sing worship. 
You were the word at the beginning 
Sin was great, your love was great. 
Is your heart hungry for him? Is he your heart's desire? I want you to be seated for a minute. This is our time of exhortation. We want to welcome our online audience with us because this exhortation is for you online as well, not just for the crowd that's here. An exhortation is a prophetic word to the house, and we are a prophetic house. That means we believe God speaks to us. And so we have a time of proclamation, and this time incites a response. And that's what it's about if you're new here or if you kind of don't understand what that is, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and we believe that. And also we also believe that in that it's up to you to receive and to judge the word, meaning you uh, feast on that word. You are to evaluate that word and to uh, see what part of that word applies to you. That's your responsibility, and also that's your freedom to do that. And I want you to know that, that this is a safe place for you to do that. Today, the Lord spoke to me, actually was while I was gone. Pastor Dave and I were just um, gone on a vacation. That's why I have a tan. At least I think I have a tan. And uh, at least for me, I have a tan. And the Lord really awakened me to encourage you to not dwell in your past. Now, Pastor David is going to talk about loving to remember because scripture does tell us to remember, but remembering is different than dwelling in your past. And dwelling in your past has a sense of um, not being able to move forward. Allowing things of your past to condemn you or to even cause you to yearn for those things. Yearn for something that God has brought you out of. And the scripture that he gave to me, and actually Jesus mentions this very person when he's talking about the end times. He mentions this person in Luke 17. He says to the people, when he's talking about what's going to happen in the last days, he says to the people, remember Lot's wife. Now, we don't even know what Lot's wife's name was, but we were told to remember her. What were we to remember? What she did. Her decision that she made. And Jesus says this to the people, remember Lot's wife. And then he says in verse 33 of Luke 17, Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. Interesting. Remember, the context of this is that he's talking about the end times. And so he's saying, come on. You know what? You've got to, in a sense, give your whole self to me. And Lot's wife was unwilling to give her whole self. So what happened to Lot's wife? Well, she decided to look back. And Genesis 19, verse 26, this is a story, is that God has chosen to judge Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. And he has taken and had the angels of the Lord go and to uh, reap and to deliver Lot's family. And in that, the angel of the Lord says to them, he says, flee for your lives. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. They say, the angels of the Lord say very specifically 
to the family, do not look back and do not stop anywhere. So they start to flee. And we find in verse 26, it says this, and Lot's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. Jesus later says, remember Lot's wife. What is, what's happening here? She had an attachment. And the attachment to her past was greater than her commitment to the future. Her attachment for what used to be was greater than her commitment to what God had told her to do. Now, let me say this. I have told this house, the people in this house, call this church their home. That we're in a new season. You are in a new season. A part, whether you want to be or not, you're in a new season. Our world has changed. But not only that, have we seen things around us change and alter as a result of the COVID years and all of the things that have swirled around, not just that, but other things as well. The Lord has chosen to use those circumstances to bring us into a new season, to bring you into a new season. And in bringing us into that new season, what can happen on our journey is that we can get stuck. Because all of a sudden, it feels a little scary to go into that new season. All of a sudden, you know what? I have to learn something new. I got to let go of some stuff. I got to let go of some of those attachments. I got to let go of those old ways. I got to let go of those old thoughts. See, the fact is this. Lot's wife, her actions revealed her heart. Did you know the truth is this? We can say one thing, but the truth is our actions reveal our heart. And her willingness to disobey the word of the Lord revealed where her dedication and loyalty lied. Because she chose not to obey the word of the Lord. On Friday night, we had our first heart language gathering. And Marina Bristol, she shared her testimony, very powerful time. And something that she did that I just absolutely loved. That in her Bible, at the very end of her testimony, she had the prophetic word. She started to read the prophetic word that was given to her years and years ago. She had it in the front of her Bible along with scripture that the Lord had given to her. And I love that because she kept the word of the Lord for her life in front of her. She said, you know what? This word is important to me. A lot of times we can receive words and hear words, and this house has lots of words, and then we just throw it away like it's a tissue. I need a new fresh word. You don't need a fresh word. You need to obey the word God has spoken to you Amen. and not get right. stuck in your journey into your new season. Forget Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? It's interesting because Isaiah says, the word of the Lord says to the people, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know what that says? If you break it down, a lot of our times, our new season doesn't have the abundance physically that we want to see. 
because we're doing a new thing. So the Lord is saying, believe me for the streams in the wasteland. In the physical, you may see a wasteland. In the physical, you may see a drought or a famine. But I have said, go into that new season because I'm going to prosper you there. Did you know that this is what God said to Isaac? Genesis 26. There's a famine in the land. Isaac says to God, I need to go to Egypt because there's a famine in the land. My family can't survive here. And you know what the Lord says to him? You stay. You stay right there in the midst of that famine. Because if you do what I have told you to do, I am going to prosper you. He actually, if you read that chapter, he prospers so much. The enemy tries, the Philistines try to destroy Isaac, try to do everything to discourage him. But in the end, Isaac prospers to the degree that the enemy, the Philistines come and say, let's make an agreement. Let's make a covenant because we know God is with you. I'm saying for us in 2023 you can look around and you can say wow it feels like a drought it feels like a famine it feels like a dry season it feels like a wasteland it feels and God says go forward keep moving forward keep digging the well waters are going to come I have told you I have spoken to you I will prosper you come on Jesus you think Pastor Lynn how do you know all these things well I'm going to tell you I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. Haggai 2.6. And then we're going to pray. For thus says the Lord of hosts. And the Lord of hosts means, his name means the Lord of angelic armies. Thus says the Lord of angelic armies. And I'm going to tell you if I need anybody with me, I want an angelic army. Once more in a little while. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. And he has done that. We have a modern day shaking that the Lord has done. And they will come with the desirable and precious things of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory and splendor. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. Those of you that are worried about it, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Verse 9, the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I shall give peace and prosperity, declares the Lord of hosts. But you can't be like Lot's wife. You can't be like Lot's wife who looked back and became a pillar of salt. Don't dwell in the past. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't get longing to sustain something that you once were, you once like. The Lord says, I am doing a new thing. And you know what? A lot of the things that are passed on are necessarily bad things like sin and wickedness. It can't be. You can't be going to some of the things that we used to dwell in. But sometimes it's like, well, my glory years, when God used me, I'm going to tell you this. Some of, and especially some of you that are aging physically, you say, well, my glory years were this and that. I'm going to say this. Your ladder shall be greater if you want that. Quit, quit using that as an excuse. Quit using your age as an excuse. Quit using your economics as an excuse. 
Quit using what season of life you are in as an excuse. Come on, you can rock that baby and pray. I used to do it, you can do it too. Listen, no matter what season of life you're in, God says, I want to make you fruitful and prosper, but you gotta keep moving forward. Don't get stuck in the past. We sang the song, coming out of Egypt, he brought me out of Egypt. And God did that for Israel. God brought them out of Egypt. The only problem that that generation faced is that they got stuck in the past. God brought them out, but when they got into the desert, they could not move forward into the promises that God had for them, the land flowing with milk and honey, because they chose to glorify their past. They longed for Egypt. They had cried out for deliverance at one time when it was very real to them, but that got all erased, just like Lot's wife got all erased, the bad things that were there. And they couldn't get unstuck. They couldn't get unstuck. And they couldn't go into the promised land. And I want to declare and decree, we're going to be people of the generation of Joshua and Caleb. We're not going to be people who are saying, I long for the past. Oh, the way it used to be. You know what? Don't get stuck there. It's a new season for you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And in fixing your eyes on Jesus, this is what I want to tell you. Be fully present in the present. Be fully present. Don't look back. Be fully present. And I'm going to say God's word is going to be true to you. He is going to prosper you. He's going to cause you to be fruitful. And when you say prosper, I'm not just talking financially. I am talking in your relationships, in your mental health, in your physical body, in, in your effectiveness, in your witness, in your community, in your marriage. Come on, be fully present. No longer. I don't dwell in the past. I do remember what God has done. I do glorify him for what he has done. I do remember what he brought me out of. And that's why I love you, Jesus. I fully and completely love you. But I fix my eyes on Jesus. Don't let the enemy pull you into the past. In the past is condemnation by the enemy. Regrets. Things that the enemy wants you to get embedded in and get stuck in. Do not let him pull you into the past, but fix your eyes on Jesus. I'm going to pray for those of you say, you know what, Pastor Lynn, you're preaching to me today. If that's you, I want you to stand up and I'm just going to do a prayer over you. I know one thing over my life, Pastor David's life, I'm, I'm saying this, you're, the latter shall be greater. The, the latter shall be greater. Amen. I may see the clock a ticking. I may see the clock a ticking. I may see the gray hairs here and there. I dye my hair, but I see them. And the fact is this. I'm believing the Lord in his saying, Lynn, don't you dare get all caught up in that. 
Don't get caught up in, in, the, in the words of it's time for you to retire and to get back in the back seat and, and get on coast. No, I'm not going to coast. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move forward like Caleb said. Caleb said about going into the promised land. Amen. I am as just as healthy as I was That's 40 right. years ago. That's I'm right. just as spry. I'm just as yep. energetic. I'm just as quick yep. as I was 40 Amen. years ago. And I will not Amen. only take the land. Joshua, you give me the hardest land. I'll yeah. take the mountain land because go. I have such a belief for you. This house, not only are we going to take the land, we're taking the mountain land. Amen. We're taking the hard Amen. land. That's why we're in Santa Clara County. That's why we're in California. I'm not running to a Bible Belt. I'm going to stay right here, and I'm going to put my stand up here. I'm going to put the flag here waving to say this land belongs to the Lord. Amen. This land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to prosper the people in this land. You're going to prosper the people of God in this land. Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus. You know what? Whoo, Jesus, the Lord's saying, see, he's causing this house, and, I, and, and for the young families in this house, promises for you is you shall be an oak of righteousness in this land. That's right. You shall be an oak of righteousness. Not maybe. See, you got the script in your head. I can't afford it here. I can't commit here. I got to always be looking someplace else. And the Lord says, don't you know I'm greater than that? That I'm a miracle working God. You shall be an oak of righteousness in this land. I will root you. I will ground you. I will do supernatural things for you. Come on. I'm not looking back to what the world says. I'm not looking to the script. I'm not looking to the world telling me how impossible things are. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. For those of us that are older, we got the Caleb spirit. The latter shall be greater. Yeah. For those of us that are That's younger, right. you shall be oaks of righteousness. For those of you that are in between, you could choose between the two or collect both of them. Right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray over this house. We celebrate you, Lord. We celebrate the vision over this house. We celebrate that you are with us. We celebrate, Lord, that your name is above every name and you dwell in us. There is no one compared to you. There is no power greater than your power. And so, Lord, we... Fix our eyes on you. And Father, in this new season that you have declared, months and months you have declared over us that we're in a new season. May we not get caught like Lot's wife. May we not stop in progress. But Lord, that we say, you know what? I'm going to obey the word of the Lord. I'm going to obey the word of the Lord and keep moving forward. May we be like Isaac that obeyed your word. He may have wanted to leave the place where it looked like it was dry and wilderness and famine and drought. But you said, stay there, Isaac. If you stay there, Isaac, I will prosper you. I will cause you to be fruitful and abundant. And even your enemies, they shall want to have covenant or, and they will fear you and they will respect you. <laughs> and Lord, that word is for this house. We declare it. And we decree it in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I want you to love on each other. Just welcome each other here. Take a few minutes.
Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here on this beautiful June day. California, where's the heat? I don't know. California, I don't know what's happening to you. But we're so glad you're here. What a beautiful day for a barbecue. Those of you that are online, you know, we're having a barbecue. You can make it here in about an hour or so. So come on down and, and join us. Speaking of the barbecue that we're going to have after service, I want to give props to our life group, Manpower, led by Brian Bristol, a team of men are hosting us and doing the cooking today and providing for that. So I just want to say thank you, men, for doing that. Oh, we so appreciate what a great thing that is to, for us to get to just sit and eat with each other and gather. If you're a, a visitor, we welcome you here. We welcome those online. If you want to give us your information, there's a card in the seat in front of you. You can fill it out. It's important for you to know we do not give your information to anyone. We don't sell it. We don't use it for anything else other than giving to you uh, the information about our church. And so you need to know that. And so you can do that when the offering comes by. Just fill it out and put it in the offering. And we'll take care of that. We also have a bake sale today. Now, this is important for you all to know. Bake sale prices are very high for a reason. The bake sale is actually for the Poland trip. We have a trip in September where we're going to go and do ministry to the Poland church as well as to the Ukrainian population. As you are well aware, there's been a war that's been going on and there's been many refugees that have come in to Poland from the Ukraine. And so we're going to go and we're going to do a women's uh, conference as well as some other ministry. We have a team of 14 people from Crossroads that's going. But the thing is this, we are taking an offering today to help with the expenses of the ministry in Poland. That means we want to give them money to pay for the conference, to pay for the food for the conference. And what we're raising is $5,000 to give in advance to them so that they can prepare for the conference. So that's what we're wanting. You're saying, what are you saying? A cupcake's $1,000? What are you telling me right now? <laughs> what? Let, break it down, will you? Well, let me just say this. If you're given the offering, then get, a, get whatever you want, okay? Just let them know I gave in the offering. If you want to pay per, the price on the bake sale, that's fine too. It also will go. But that's up to you. But that's what the bake sale is about. Today, we are highlighting our Poland missions trip. So this is a day for that. So please uh, give towards that ministry, okay? June is a really powerful month. This is where we're emphasizing family, marriages, singles, youth. And uh, Dr. Shelley Roberts, she's one of the pastors. She's part-time pastor on our team here. She lives in Texas, but she comes out for specialized things. She's going to do a whole uh, almost week of ministry where she's going to meet with the youth and talk to them about um, the sexuality, uh, Satan's distortion versus God's design seminar in June, Wednesday, June 21st. This is going to be a week of uh, ministry to the family. Parents, please have your children present for that. And she's also going to do a special Zoom call for parents if you have questions in advance to that so that you're comfortable with what's going to be stated okay so that's really important 
then that Friday night, we're going to have a seminar for our single people. You can invite, this is not just for church, our church people. You can invite anyone to these events. All of these events are free. So if they go to another church, if they don't go to church at all, even they, they may not even be a Christian, they can come to these events. Invite, invite, because they may get something really good and healthy out of these things. So Friday night, uh, Never Alone, from 7 to 9 p.m. right here for our singles. And then the next day, Saturday, we have our marriage refresher for our couples. We need to continue to invest in our marriages and in our person. We want to be a healthy environment here, body, mind, soul, and spirit. We want to be a safe environment. And that includes making sure our marriages and our, our personhood, our emotions, our mindsets are very healthy. Pastor David is once again trying to do a 2024 Israel tour. So we're trying this Israel tour one more time. One more time. The ladder shall be greater, Lynn, Pastor Lynn. The ladder shall be greater. We're going to do this thing. So if you want to go, we're going to go in May. Pastor David's getting the dates right now. May of 2024. Let me say this. You may travel many places. You could go to Hawaii. You can go to the Caribbean like we just did. You can go all over the U.S., whatever. But I'm going to say going to Israel one time in your life is a powerful thing. Very powerful. Now, if you don't have the resources, you know, it's not possible. But if you do have the resources to go, I would, I would encourage you to go one time to Israel so that you can see where Jesus walked. It's such a powerful thing. We also will have baptism in the Jordan. We'll go on a boat um, on the Sea of Galilee and do worship. It's going to be a powerful time. So if you're interested, put it on your card. Let Pastor David know. We have ministry partners of the week is Mark Good and uh, Daylene Good, and they are ministers to France. And they have a quite a big ministry there. They're old friends of ours. Keep them in your prayers. They work with university students. There are many things that they do there. And then we're going to pray for our Crossroads Unbound Youth Ministry. Okay? Let's have the tithes and offerings come. Remember, this is the time to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. And if you have a special gift for our missions for Poland, please put it in, or you can give online. There's ways to give online if you put it on there. Uh, different ways that we have. Zelle, PayPal, all those things. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this house. Lord, you have called us to persevere for breakthrough. You have called us to keep our eyes fixed on you. You have called us to tune out the world and listen to your voice. And Father, we do that in our giving. We do that in our priorities. We do that, Lord, in the decisions that we make, Father, every day. We thank you, Father, for who you are in our lives, in your name. Amen. God bless you as you give. Jesus, we love you. a special person
welcome up here Kim Hancock. This is her last Sunday with us. Kim has served our worship ministry for many years, as well as came when we were first pastors here over a decade ago. And I think she came within the first year or so of being here. Come on, Kim. She is relocating to Idaho. And she has sold her home, and she's retired now. And this is her last Sunday. But we have... She's our daughter. She's family to us. We've been family to her. We will continue to be family to Kim. I told her, you know what? Many people have shifted as far as geographic location, but that doesn't mean they're, they're no longer a part of us, that they continue to be a part of us. And um, we want to pray over her for her safety as she uh, drives with her uh, trailer on the back of her uh, truck, but also her dogs. Her chickens, her three chickens. Oh, McDonald had a farm. Okay, so and a bark, bark here and a meow, meow. Okay, so Kim loves animals. And there's a lot of people in this church that love animals. I know that. And Kim loves her, her fur babies. So let's pray for her and her family, her fur baby family, but also for her new season in Idaho to find a church home, to be rooted and grounded there. But she continues to be a part of us. And so um, we want her to know that, and she knows that personally, but we want to say that publicly, to continue to reach out to her. So why don't you stand and extend your hand towards Kim, and, and Papa David, do you want to pray over Kim? Father, we thank you for Kim's life. We thank you that she is part of our family, Lord. And Lord, she's not leaving. She's just extending territory. And Lord, we ask your blessing upon her. We know her faithful service to you while she's been in our house has been such a blessing. And Lord, we pray for, first and foremost, uh, traveling mercies as she traverses the country and keep her and all of her animals safe. We pray as she enters this new season that, God, this will be not a season of despair, but a season of blessing, a season of prosperity, a season of favor, and a season of newness, Lord, of what you're going to do in her life. We love her, and Lord, we send her forth into a new area to do great things for you, Lord. She will always be part of our family. She's always part of our heart, Lord. Now we just bless her. And Lord, may you just go before her, surround her as she travels, and plant her in a land that's flowing with milk and honey, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask. Some of you, if I'm not turned on, that's probably a better thing, right? <laughs> Elizabeth, please. I'm glad you're like a little. She's like a firecracker. She's. I was gonna think she's. She's like seltzer water, you know, just bu 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 bubbling over. Hey, it's uh, good to be with you this morning. Um, we want to talk to you this morning about remembering. And what God has told us. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, um, I used to drive a Nissan Cube, which everyone, like, made fun of me because the horn, you beeped it, it sounded like, eh. it was like literally, it didn't even have a masculine horn. It had this little tiny effeminate, say, beep. And I felt like I was driving at one of those cars in Disneyland. And, and then I bought a, a pickup truck. And Kim, I don't know if you remember Kim. Where are you at, Kim? Kim's in the back coming out. But 
Um, my wife found it for me on Valentine's Day, and I will pay for that the rest of our marriage. Um, but uh, I bought the truck just basically because it was on sale. And I got a, a, a Ram 1500, and uh, it was just, to me, it was a truck, you know. I was just, I'm used to driving a little cardboard box with a squeaky horn, you know. And uh, first thing Kim said to me is, wow, you got the chrome package with a honeycomb grill. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea, you know. Uh, but something happened to me when I started driving that truck. I started liking country music. <laughs> and, and it was just weird. I, I just, I, my radio, I think, was pre-programmed to a country station, you know. And uh, I remember listening, and one of the first songs that I remember hearing on it was Alan Jackson's song, Remember When. I don't know if you ever heard that, but it's, it's like a sad sweet song that just the tears. I can't listen to that song without crying anymore. Uh, and that, don't worry, I'm not going to play it for the service. That's not our sermon this morning. We're getting into the Word of God. But uh, I was listening to it one day in my truck, and the Lord spoke to me and says, you need to talk to your church about remembering and the importance of memory. You see, because memory is an interesting thing. Our memory can play tricks on us. Sometimes our memory of what we used to be isn't reality. I mean, all of the guys that are above 40 that used to play football, and then they get out there on the weekend, and they play one game, and then they're in traction for a month, you know? Uh, our memory could be good or bad, but Scripture tells us a lot about memory. And the one thing about memory, if you're, if you're not familiar with what your past was, and you don't know where you're at in your present, your future is going to be messed up. Uh, one of the things we're going to do when we go to Poland uh, those of us that are going to be traveling, I'll give you a little uh, tidbit of what we're going to do. We're going to be doing a lot of ministry there, but we're also going to be uh, visiting a concentration camp. Uh, Auschwitz is located in Poland, and uh, if you uh, go to Auschwitz, we're going to see a placard that was laid there, and it says this. It says, the one who does not remember history is bound to live uh, through it again. And that's actually a quote from a, uh, uh, a book called the... Uh, uh, the Life of Reason, it was written, and it was a plaque that was dedicated to there. And the one thing that's really interesting about your history, if you don't remember where you're from, you're probably going to make some bad mistakes. But also, if you don't remember whose you are, you're going to make some bad mistakes. And I, as a pastor, I've been a pastor now for 40 years. One of the things that concerns me is people don't know who they are in Christ. And if you don't know who you are in Christ, you don't remember what Christ did for you, it's going to affect the way you live your life. You're going to live like you used to live. You're going to live in ways that you, you, you used to. And it, it's amazing because Scripture, just the word remember. If you look in the, I, I read the New International Version, and I did a, a word search on my computer. I pulled up the word remember, and it, it appears 253 times. That's a lot of references. But if you take the concept and the variant of, of the word remember, it appears over 550 times. The Lord's word tells us over and over and over and over again to remember what he's done. And, and when we do that, one of the things we want to look at is we want to look at what does Scripture say to us about remembering? Well, if you read the book of Joshua, and while we're on, on vacation, we read a lot of Scripture. Uh, my wife sat on the deck and, and relaxed. I swam every day. It was just really good. Uh, and uh, when you remember, it's interesting because I read the book of Joshua many times while I was on, on vacation. And there's a story in the book of Joshua about the children of Israel who were trying to get into the promised land. If you pull up the picture of the map there, please. 
there. This is the, the, the area of the Middle East. It's the, uh, the, the little lake up top is the Sea of Galilee. The lake on the bottom is, is the Dead Sea. And what you see, this is the division line. If you look at the map, uh, there's a, the Jordan River runs from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. The, three of the groups were on the opposite side of the Jordan River. That wasn't their promised land. The promised land was uh, to, the, to the, actually, when you're looking at it, to the left of the map. Uh, and you see Manasseh, the, the, there's East Manasseh and, and West Manasseh. They're divided into two groups. So what you had here is you had the, the people of Israel that were promised of God to move into their promised land. But yet two and a half groups weren't there. And that affected the destiny of all of the people. And, and, and when I was studying this and reading this, something just leaped out of me from the book of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, it kind of summarizes what's going on here. Let me read that to you. Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now... To that very day, you have not deserted your brothers, but you have not carried out the mission of the Lord, your God, he gave you. Now that the Lord, your God, has given you brothers rest as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses, your servant of the Lord God, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. You see, they were on the wrong side of where they should have been. You follow me? And then in verse 5, he says, but be very careful to keep the commandments uh, and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to obey his commands, and to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all of your heart and all of your soul. So the, the context of this passage is this. The people of Israel are moving into their promised land, but you have two and a half tribes of the people are kind of on the other side of the river. They're on the wrong side of the tracks, if you want to say it. And as a result of that, the whole nation can't move into the blessing and promise that God has, has given them. So when you look at this passage and you look at, at verse 1, you'll see that what he's basically saying to them is there's, there's a division of the land, and as a result, there's this formidable barrier. The Jordan River is this river that represents a, a, a physical and a spiritual barrier to keeping them into what God has promised them. And I want to ask you, are there things in your life that are formidable barriers keeping you from what God has called you to do? You know, God says this, I can do, the word of God says this, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. But there are some things that we set up in our life that prohibit us from moving in to fulfill the mission and destiny that God has for us. Right. You can't blame that on other people. Right. You can, you can, you, well, you can, but ultimately the responsibility falls back on you. And so when we're looking at this text, one of the things that is interesting is we see that these two and a half tribes, all through Scripture, all through the Old Testament, you'll see examples of how they're referred to as being those, those, those kind of the wayward ones that didn't fulfill what God has called them to do. So if you look at the book of Numbers, in the book of Numbers, chapter 16, verse 1 through 3, this is where there's a, a, what we refer to if you read in your headlines of your, your Bible, if you have your Bible, it'll call it Korah's Rebellion. Listen to what it says. 
Korah, son of Izhar, the son of Korath, and the son of Levi, and certain uh, Reubenites, Danites, Arabians, sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Pelath, became insolent. What does it insolent mean? Any parents have children that are sometimes insolent? It means they're kind of, they're kind of stiff-necked, they're hard-hearted, they're rebellious. And they rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the councils. They were, they were the ruling body of Israel. And they came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. Okay? So Moses, track with me on this. Moses was the dedicated leader of the people. God has established him as the leader and the people that were around him. And these people feel like, you know, hey, Moses, you don't know what you're talking about. You go up on the mountain, you go up to that burning bush, you come back, your face is all shiny, you have to wear a veil, something's changing you, we don't know what it is, you tell us what we're supposed to do, but we're, we're tired of listening to you, right? And then as a result of that, what do they do? They say, you've gone too far, the whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why do you set yourself above the Lord's assembly? Why do you put yourself as a leader? Well, Moses was the one that went and met with God, right? Remember? And what happened when he was up there meeting with God? What were the people doing? <laughs> you know, some of you are catching it. They were down there collecting all the, the gold and silver and making an idol, the very thing that God said don't do, they went and did because they had to worship something. And so we, since we don't have God, let's craft something in our own hands. Let's, let's create a barrier between us and God by doing something that is very much against what the Word of God says. You know, it's interesting is seeds of insolence and seeds of rebellion can start really small with just an attitude or a statement. And I, th I think as, as time passes, one of the things that ha we have to do with our lives is we have to choose whether we're going to be positive or we're going to be negative. And, and Korah and the crew that hung with Korah chose to be negative. And here's a, a principle of life. Rebellious people produce rebellious followers. Rebellion is, is very contagious. We think COVID's contagious, you know. <laughs> Uh, rebellion is even worse. And, and that's why Paul, when Paul was addressing the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, he says, hey, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company will, will affect your character. You know, any parents that have kids that are hanging out with the quote-unquote wrong crowd, you can see how your children are influenced by them. And that's why it's really important for us as believers to work together to encourage one another daily in our walk with the Lord. We don't do it because it's some sort of religious ritual. We do it because it's our relationship with the Lord. The Lord wants us to grow. The Lord wants us to be faithful. The Lord wants to, to bless us. But just like the children of Israel, if you're on the wrong side of the track and you've made decisions not to move into your promised land, you're, you have prevented God from flowing and blessing your life. And that's what we see in this story. And it's amazing because as you go through this, you can see that, that the, 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 the vision that separated these two tribes, or the two and a half tribes from the rest of the tribes of Israel, was basically something that was a relationship issue that severed not just their relationship with one another, but also their relationship with God. And I want to challenge us because Scripture tells us over and over and over what we should remember. 
It's not what you used to be, but it's what God says you're going to be. Okay? I don't, uh, if we get up here and we said, you know, we're going to have an open mic this morning. And I want, me to, I want all of you to tell me the worst thing you've ever done. Before we take communion. <laughs> okay, that would be a real tragic thing, right? All of us basically needed the Lord. All of us needed areas of forgiveness in our life. None of us are perfect. I tell people all the time, we're functionally dysfunctional. You know what that means? It means you're jacked up. And if you know you're jacked up, you can address it. But if you deny you're jacked up, you're going to continue to be jacked up. And what the Lord wants to do is the Lord wants to bring healing and restoration into us. He wants to bring renewal into us. That's why in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, it says this. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen and let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and their children after them. Basically, what Scripture is trying to tell us is this. Hey, know who you are. Know what Christ has done in your life. Know what the Lord has done in your life. And then teach it to the next generation. You know? We, I, I'm so thankful that my wife and I have had children that are grown up now. But we've taught them things that they now learned and that they're now teaching to their children you see, because there's blessing that comes from obedience to the Lord. So many times people think, oh, God is such a killjoy. No, God just doesn't want you to get in the muck and mire of life that's going to really mess you up. And, and by following his decrees, by following his teachings, and you remember what he told you to do, you can then protect the next generation from being involved in things that are going to separate them from God, like these two and a half tribes. Does it make sense? So that's why Paul told the church in Colossae, hey, whatever you do, do it as all as unto the Lord. Because whether you're, you're here on a Sunday morning or whether you're working or whether you're in school or whether you're in a family reunion or wherever you're, you're on vacation, do it as unto the Lord. And one of the things that happens is a lot of times we allow barriers to be, to be between us and the Lord because we forget what God has done in our life. I tell you, I don't ever want to forget what it was like not to have the Lord in my life. But I don't want to dwell there because that's not who I am. That's who I used to be. That's who you used to be. You may have some, some residual damage because of actions you made in the past, but that's not who you currently are. You have been changed. You have been transformed. And I love what Scripture says about it. He says, you know, we should remember the truth of who God is. Listen to what God wants you to do. God wants you to remember who he is. He is the God of the impossible. Do you hear me? Ephesians 3.20 is a verse we use a lot around here. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. You know, I don't know about you, but I remember when my kids were little, they, they thought that money grew on a tree. And they thought we had a forest in our backyard. Okay? And, and it, they were like, well, why can't we get this? Why can't we get this? Well, because we don't have enough money to get that. Well, just get some more money. Go to the bank, and you stick that plastic card in, and it spits money out at you, Dad. You know? And they, they thought that until they bought their first home. And then all of a sudden, they're like, I can't believe how in debt I am. It's like, welcome to reality, you know? But the, the truth is this, is God wants to do immeasurably more than even the child can imagine. He wants to do things in your life that you thought were impossible, but God's, God's whole purpose in life is this, to take you into your promised land, to take you into the place that you didn't think you could get to, that you couldn't do on your own, 
but with God, you can do all things. People have told you, you can't do that. But God says, hey, I'm the God of the impossible. I'm the God that believes that when people say no, God says yes. All the promises of God are yes and amen. And so what we do is we follow what the teaching of Scripture says. And when we do that, we learn that the, 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 the things that, that people put into our life as barriers, God uses them as stepping stones to get us to the next level of relationship with him. And when we press into the Lord, one of the things we see is, is how faithful God is. Look, look at, as you read through in the book of Joshua in chapter 22, verse 15 and 20, this is how God reveals interesting things about these tribes. When they went to Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they said to them, the whole assembly of the Lord says, how could we break faith with the God of Israel like this? How could we turn away from the Lord and build ourselves an altar in rebellion uh, uh, against him now? Was not the sin of Peor enough for us? Up until this very day, we have not been cleansed ourselves from that sin, even though the plague fell on the community of the Lord. And are you now turning away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he will be angry with the whole community. And if the land you possess is defiled, come over to the Lord's land, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and share the land with us. But do not rebel against the Lord or against us building an altar uh, for yourselves other than the altar of the, Lord, uh, of the Lord our God. And when Aaron's son Zerah acted unfaithfully regarding the devoted things, did not wrath come down on the whole community of Israel? He was not the only one who died of his sin. Interesting passage of scripture. I was thinking about this as, as a, a parent. I guess I was listening to Alan Jackson's song a little too many times. I remember when the little kids were little. But parents, how many of you know that your children exemplify the second law of thermodynamics? You know, put that slide up. The second law of thermodynamics also is referred to the law of entropy. And it's a lot of times used in chemistry to describe how things go from hot to cold. But I like to use the illustration of how things go from order to disorder. You can clean up a house, run to the store to get something, and come home and it looks like a class 5 hurricane has gone through the house. You know, the kids come into the house and it's just everything everywhere. And you think, we just cleaned this up. What happened? It was 30 seconds, and all of a sudden, it's Nagasaki too. you know? What has gone on in the house? Well, you know, it's not just in the physical, it's not just in, in temperature, but in spiritual things, things can go from hot to cold really quick. And that's why it's very important for you and I to remember what the Word of God says to us. Remember how the Word of God says, do these certain things and then you'll be blessed. Protect yourself from this and you will do this. And when you're doing that, God's going to provide a, 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 a pathway for you to walk. That's why the book of James, in James chapter 4, verse 7 says this, submit yourselves then to God, right? Then resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The problem is people don't want to submit themselves to God. They want to do their own thing and then expect God to be this, this celestial fire plan that gets them out of trouble. The truth is the word of God isn't meant to, to be a killjoy. The word of God is kind of like guardrails to keep us on the road. You know, when we were on vacation, it was really weird because we were, I was driving on the opposite side of the road. 
And they had a little sticker in the window that said shoulder to shoulder. I'm thinking shoulder to shoulder, you know. And I'm driving, and some of the guardrails, because this, the area where we're at was very rural, uh, the guardrails were there, but instead of being this direction, they were leaning this way. And the road, instead of being like this, was like this. And I finally experienced what it was like for my wife with me driving close to the guardrail or the leaning guardrail and the leaning road and looking over the embankment and saying, wow, that's a pretty far drop. That's really what the word of God is for us. It's a guardrail for your life. It's not to make your life so boring. I tell you, life in the Lord is exciting. Life with, when you're listening to the Lord and what the Lord asks you to do, and, and when you're walking in your promise and you're walking in your destiny, it is an exciting life. It's not boring. It's not dull. It's not mundane. It's, it's, you're working with a God who does miracles. And you, you could do that, but that's why we submit to God. And then when we submit to him, he leads us and guides us and directs us and protects us from the enemy. Does it mean you live life happily ever after? No, but you have one walking with you that will never leave you nor forsake you. And when you're looking at that, well, that's one of the things that sticks out here. And, and, and the children of Israel had to learn that. Listen to what Joshua 22, verse 2 and 3 says. And he said to them, you have done all that Moses, your servant God, had commanded, and you obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your brothers, but carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Let me tell you something. God has a mission for your life. If not, we'd be standing in front of a casket and I'd be doing your memorial service. Until you die, God has a mission for your life. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care where you are in the economic strata. I don't care where you are in the educational strata. I don't care how long you've even been a believer. There is a destiny and a purpose for your life. And God wants you to understand that and then walk in it. Because one of the things that God does, he has the ability to influence not just you, but the circumstances around you and to work in those circumstances to bless you. How do I know that? Because scripture says it over and over and over. He says, listen, you have not deserted the things that God is giving you that mission for your life. And one of the beautiful things that I love about the children of Israel and reading the Old Testament is a lot of times you'll read a verse in the New Testament, but then there's whole chapters in the Old Testament explaining it. And what God wants to do is God wants to remind you that there is a calling on your life. There is a destiny for your life. You may be going through the mundane of life, but God is saying, you know what? I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan that I want to reveal to you. And when you follow my decrees, I organize things in such a way that you don't even see what's going on. You know, it's like watching my grandkids. I, I could never figure out the Rubik's Cube, you know? And we were with our grandkids recently, and he's like talking to us. He's like, I'm like, what are you doing? Figuring out the Rubik's Cube. Well, I got that one. I got this one done in so many seconds. I'm like, seconds? It took me years, and I still can't do it, <laughs> you know? But, you know, you're sitting doing your life, and God's just moving things around as you're being faithful. And you're not understanding how, how is this happening because you have a God that loves you. And you have a God that's working. When you obey the Lord and you obey his commands, he, he works things out in ways that you just don't even understand. You know, if I, if I would look back at my life 40-some years ago when I gave my life to the Lord and thought where I'm at now was possible, I'd say, you're, you're doing drugs. There's no way that could happen. There's no way. Even owning a home here 
There was no way for us to own a home here. But God made it possible. God is faithful to us. God is, is all about that. And one of the things that God wants to give you is a spirit of rest, not a spirit of, of burdensomeness and heaviness. Listen to what he says in Joshua 24, verse 4. Now the Lord your God, who's God? Your God. Not the God of your parents, not the God of your grandparents, not the God of the person next to you, but your God has given your brothers rest as he promised. Return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of God, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. What he's basically saying to them is God wants to give you rest. God wants to give you peace. It, literally, the word, it's not the word shalom here. It's the word uh, nuach, which is a, the word that's used for rest. But it has the concept of shalom. It has the concept of, of a, a uh, all-inclusive peace. Have you ever had a hard day at work? where you worked really long, maybe a long shift, maybe you're working on a project, you didn't want to stop until it was done, and when you get done, you have that, and you just kind of drop on the couch. Maybe it's you're working out in the sun, you're drinking Gatorade, you're drinking water. Actually, I found out that milk is more refreshing. I just read a research study on the fact that milk is more refreshing to hydrate you than water. Hmm. I don't know how big the sample population was, but it was, I went and Bought a gallon of milk afterwards, so hey, dairy is produced by the Dairy Association. Uh, moving along. Okay. Uh, sorry, just bad jokes. They just come naturally. It's part of my past. Okay. But God wants to give us rest, and the concept that he wants to give us is the concept of shalom. Shalom is actually just not a word about peace. Shalom actually, the, the, the basis of, of the concept of shalom in Scripture is that you have come into a relationship with the living God, and as a result of that living God, he brings peace to you because he's the Prince of Peace. Now, shalom in a, in a biblical sense means holistic. It means it's not just peace in, in your situation, you know. It's, it's peace in your spirit, peace in your mind peace in your heart, peace in your relationship, all of those things. And shalom is a very holistic concept, and it comes from being in the presence of the Lord, where you're standing in the presence of the Lord, and you have just a, a, an unbelievable understanding of how he wants to just bring calmness to it. You know, I remember when we first redid the sanctuary, and we ordered these banners. I thought of that banner over here, the one up here on the, the far left here, Jehovah Rapha about how the Lord provides healing to us. That a lot of times we don't even understand the concept of the, how the Lord heals us. But when you're in his presence, there's the therapy of the Almighty. And sometimes just being in the presence of the Lord, there's healing that comes to us. And I don't discount medical technology and all of that. I thank God for that. I thank God that we have people that can bring physical healing. But a lot of times, the healings that some of us need have nothing to do with us physically. Right. They have to do with us spiritually. Right. And when you're in the presence of the Lord, the Lord can bring peace into your life. And the Lord can, can bring a, a blessing to your life. You know, I remember uh, we do the Thirst Conference every January. We had someone that has come, and there's part of our congregation that said, you know, I spent years in counseling. And he said, 30 minutes up here, right here. He walked over and he pointed. He says, I was right here. I prayed for like 30 minutes. And he goes, I had the peace of God like I've never had ever before. You see, in the fullness of the Lord... Is not just joy, but there's healing, there's restoration, there's forgiveness. And when we're, we're, we're dealing with this concept of, of remembering what God's done, what God wants to do is he wants to allow the word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us 
First John says in First John chapter one verse one through three, the the word of God that dwelt among us, God wants to set up His dwelling place in you. It's not just you coming to church and feeling the presence of the Lord, but it's when you're driving in your vehicle, and you're you're just praying, all of a sudden the presence of the Lord is there. When you're at work and you, you have a break and you just fall against the, 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 the wall and say, oh God, I just need you, and all of a sudden you're flooded with his presence. It's when you're standing in your kitchen and you don't know what to do and you just put your head down and say, Lord, I need you, and he, he shows up in the room. You know, that's, that's the kind of presence God wants. He wants to dwell with us. Actually, the word that he uses here for home means it's actually literally, literally meaning setting up the sanctuary of the Lord. So the Lord wants to set up his sanctuary with you wherever you're at. So no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, the presence of the Lord is there. And when you read through Scripture, one of the things we see is the the concept of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Last time we were in Israel, we went all the way down by the Red Sea, and we went and we, we drove three and a half hours and got to this site, and it was closed. It was like, really? And we were talking to the people, and they were actually Messianic Jews. They were Jews that had converted to Christianity. And we said, look, we're only here for a couple days, and we drove three and a half hours. Can we see it? And, well, we're renovating the tabernacle. But since you're here, you could just walk through. We can't give you a tour, but you could just go through yourself. And then one of the guys that was working says, well, I'll give you a tour. And he told us about the situation. And the tabernacle was a portable structure that the children of Israel would move around the desert with them so the Lord was with them. You know what's cool? You and I don't have to set it up. Right. It's already set up in us. Right. Christ in you is the hope of your glory. And what the Lord wants to do is he wants to remind you to always focus that he's with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to abandon you. And it comes down to us, like he says in verse 5, about carefully following the decrees and the teachings of the Lord. God wants us to do that, not as, as I said, not as a killjoy, but as a purpose of revealing himself and revealing his plans and purposes to us. So that was my introduction. So what does the Lord want to remind you of? He wants to remind you that we're having a free lunch afterwards, which I haven't forgotten, okay? The Lord wants to remind you this is not a legalistic thing. This is the presence of the living God coming and being with you. I love what John 14, 15 says. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And, and the Lord wants to remind us of this. The book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 2, he says this. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. How many of you have ever gone through a real difficult situation? You don't know what, you don't know what God's going to do, but let, let me remind you of this. During those difficult times, God wants to grow your faith. You know, I tell people this all the time. People are concerned sometimes when we travel overseas. Some of the places we travel aren't really the safest. And I said, you know, I don't want to go where it's easy. I want to go where it's a challenge. But for me, honestly, if to be with in here is, is a good thing. But if I would lose my life, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. My wife and I joke somewhat jokingly, but if you're going to do it, do it quick. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be lingering in pain. I just, you know, off with my head, do, you know, shoot me right between the eyes. You know, do, let me fall off a big building. Let me die in a crash. But I don't want to just be partially mangled. I want to be completely mangled. I want to be ground beef kind of mangled, you know. I, I want to go quick, you know what I mean? Because as a believer, to be absent of body is to be present with the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I, I'm not going to push forward to do something stupid to do that. But if I, I'm taken, that's a, that's a win-win. 
if I stay around and I do the work of the Lord, it's a win. If I'm in the Lord's presence, it's a win. So as long as I'm being faithful in my difficult times, knowing that God is with me when I pass through those waters. He is not going to forsake you. He's not going to allow you to be swept away. When you, I love this. I love how it says at the end of this verse, when you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're in the furnace, and look, behold, it looks like a fourth man, like the Son of God. And they come out of the fire, and the fire was so hot, when the guards threw them in, they were, they, 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 the backdraft from the fire consumed the guards. And when they were in there, they come out, and I don't know about you, but I've been around campfires where, you know, you walk by a campfire or you're by someone. I don't smoke cigarettes. I figure I'll, I'll be with the Lord quick enough. I don't need to increase the probability of it. But I've been around people that smoke, and I'll walk home, and my wife goes, you've been around someone smoking. Why? Because the fumes get into the fabric, and then your clothing smell like that. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they come out of the fire, didn't even smell like smoke. Think about that. That's the God you serve. And when you go through a fiery situation, the Lord says, I'm going to be with you. Remember that. God wants you to remember a second thing, that he loves you. You know, it's interesting. Maureen, I really appreciate your testimony. Uh, it was very vulnerable and very powerful. But one of the things you, one of the things you said that was very impactful was that God loves us even before we love him. And a lot of times we think God only loves us after we become a Christian. But the truth is, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It wasn't predicated by us responding to that love. It was God loving us even when we're jerks. God loving us even when we're rebellious. God loving us even when we're blaspheming him. God loving us well before we come to faith. And one of the beautiful things about Scripture is it reminds us over and over and over of the great love God has. While I was on vacation, I read basically from Corinthians through the end of the Bible, and I was reading through 1 John. I read through it a couple times, and it says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know him. Think about it. You're a child of God. You're a child of the Most High God. And not only did God love you, he lavished it on you. Now, I'm a grandpa. I love lavishing things on my grandkids. My daughter gets frustrated with me because I keep mailing stuff to them. And they have more candy than the candy factory, you know. And my grandkids have a game they play, is the postage worth what's inside? <laughs> Usually not. And now we have some friends of ours. They were uh, serving on the mission field. They moved home because of things. I have started sending them boxes of candy, you know. And the mother's like, will you please stop it? I can't help myself, you know. God wants to lavish his love on you. Think about that. A lot of times when someone's lavishing things on you, you don't feel worthy of it. But it's because of the love they have for you. God's love for you wants to pour out on you in ways you couldn't even imagine. And yet so many times we don't want to do that. You know, because I think sometimes we remember what we used to be. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6, the first 10 verses, it talks about this whole litany of sins. And I love what he says in verse 11. 
He says, that's what some of you were. That's not who you are now. That's what you used to be. That, that's what you used to be before you were washed. You know? I remember when my kids were little, they used to go out and play in the woods in Santa Cruz. And they'd come into the house and we got to this routine because they'd go out and they'd get so, they'd have mud ball fights, you know. They'd be down playing in the creek and they'd, they'd come home with like mud all over them. So I'd have them stand out in the backyard and I'd hose them down, you know. And we got to the point they come home one day so dirty, I had them stripped down to their undershorts and I hosed them all down before I let them in the house because I wasn't going to allow that filth to be into the house. You know, some of the filth that we've been involved in, God's hosed us down. He's cleansed us. He sanctified us. He set us sanctification is just a fancy word to say he set you apart for his purpose. That's not who you are. That's who you used to be. And when you remember that, a lot of times we remember, oh, that's who I was. And I, I'm just, I did this, all these bad things. Well, that's the old person. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been set apart. You've been, God has made you a new person because, and I love what scripture says. In the book of Hebrews, I was reading, I read through the book of Hebrews while we we're gone. And listen to what it says. This is what the Holy Spirit testifies about us. Listen. This is what the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit testifies about you. As jacked up as you and I are, this is what God's Spirit testifies about us. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and I will write it on their minds. That's why we want to transform mind. Then he adds... Their sins and their lawless acts I will remember no more. Wow, thank you, Jesus, for that. Aren't you glad the Lord doesn't remember your sins? You may. He doesn't. He says, and where there has been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. So in other words, you don't have to sacrifice for the sins that God's already forgiven you for. The sacrifice is done once and for all. Christ already paid for it. He paid with his perfect blood, and there's nothing you can add to that, that transaction to make it any better. Actually, what, the only thing that happens when you add to it is you try to live under condemnation. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, according to the book of Romans. And then he says in, in verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, which we're going to take in a few minutes, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over our house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and partial, partial assurance. Is that what it says? That's the way we live. We partially think God has cleansed us. We partially think God's done it all. But the truth of the matter, we do it with full assurance. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. That's what Jehovah Rapha does. That's what the God who brings healing to us does. He also wants you to know this, that he wants you to remember the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11, which is one of my life themes. Jeremiah says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Plans to give you a future and a hope. You know, God wants to pour out in your life a revelation of his plan and purpose for you that's even greater than you thought what he could do. That sometimes we think God is this limited by our situation. 
that we have put ourselves in a place where we feel that we're not worthy. The truth is none of us are worthy. You know? None of us. It's all by grace. It's all by his love for us. It's all by his loving kindness to us. It's all by his mercy that's extended to us. And he wants us to know that he has a plan for us. He wants to reveal that plan. And that's where the last thing I want to say is this. The prophet Isaiah, I love Isaiah because Isaiah, he was a a man who listened to the Lord, but he also, he had a special relationship with the Lord. He says this in Isaiah chapter 40, that the Lord is never going to leave you. He says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. You know where that comes from? That comes from being in relationship with the God of the universe. That your latter days are going to be better than your former days. That the sins of your youth that so easily beset you are going to fall off you. That those things that people said to you that you'll never be, God says, oh yeah, watch. I'm going to confound the wisdom of this world and reveal my plan and purpose through these people. And, and a lot of times what it comes down to is I started off with the story of the tribes being divided by the river, which was a formidable barrier between one section where they were and where God wanted them. The thing that we have to do is we have to choose to say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm going to cross that barrier. Whatever is in my life that maybe my thinking needs to be transformed, maybe my attitude needs to be transformed, Maybe the way I look at myself when I get up in the mirror, I have to say to myself, every day I get up in the mirror in the morning and look in the mirror, say, Lord, I thank you for the blessings that are coming my way today. Remind yourself of the goodness of God in your life. Remind yourself of the God who loved you and died for you. We're going to take communion, and ushers, if you want to get ready. You know, communion, I I love the fact that communion... Even on the communion table, if I don't know if you could read it, if it's, this is blocking, but it says, in remembrance of me. You know, we were at a church last Sunday, and we went into this church, and they had the communion table that had the same thing. And I thought, it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. The blood of Christ is the same. It's done for us so that we can be reminded of what the Lord's done in our lives. That we'd be reminded of his sacrifice. And he says that when we gather together and we take communion, what we do is we remind ourselves of what God's done for us so that we don't have to be separated from that. We don't have to be on the wrong side of the railroad track or the wrong side of the river and not be welcome into the kingdom of God. So this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to pass out the elements. Ushers, come forward. And... uh, Speaking of remembering, I apologize if we run out because I did not order enough communion supplies, so this is all we have, so there might be usually the trays are full. But I want you to take these and hold your elements until everyone's served. And then what we're going to do, we're going to take them together. Pass those out, folks. Because communion is an act of When Jesus was in the upper room in Jerusalem, he gathered his disciples together. 
And he said, this is the last time I'm going to have this until we're together in the presence of the Lord. And he says, but what I want you to do is I want you to examine yourself before you partake of it. I want you to look at your heart and see if there's anything in your heart that isn't right between you and the Lord. You know, one thing I know about people, on the outside we could look like we all got it all together, but on the inside we could all be messed up, right? And this is not a time where we judge others. It's a time we look at ourselves and say, God, is there anything in my life that is not pleasing and acceptable to you? Is there anything in my life that I need to get realigned with, Lord? Is there anything in my life that I need to readjust so that I could be connected to you in the way you want to be connected to me? So as the elements are being passed out, I want you just to think about that. bottom of your cup, if you turn your cup upside down, the short end up, there's a wafer on the bottom. You know, I love what scripture says that as human beings, we don't live by bread alone, but we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. A lot of times I think about that because I'm a carb guy. I love bread. But I think about how important it is to have the word of the Lord in everything we do. Not just on Sundays, you know, sometimes we compartmentalize things. But what about Thursday afternoon? Is the presence of the Lord there? You know, when we eat this, it's going to be metabolized into our system. And it's going to provide a couple pieces of energy for us to operate. But the word of the Lord gives us the ability to operate in every circumstance and every situation. And that's why we evaluate ourselves and say, Lord, is there anything in my life right now that's displeasing to you? And if there is, Lord, right now, we just confess before you. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. And we know that, Lord, if we confess our sins to you, you're faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Lord, we ask that right now, if there's anything in our lives that are keeping us separated from you, that you'd forgive us. Help us to overcome those and help us to walk in your ways. In Christ's name, shall we partake of the bread. First Corinthians tells us that after dinner, Christ took a cup And he said, this cup represents the new covenant, my blood with you. And 
I love the fact that it's a new covenant means every time we take it, it's a new relationship we have with the Lord. And the Lord wants you to know this. He loves you. Do you know that? Do you know the Lord loves you? Do you know that there's nothing you can do that would stop him from loving you? It may break his heart, but he'll love you still. And the Lord wants to pour out his love in every area of your life. So, Lord, we lift this cup to you this morning. We ask you to bless it to our bodies. Give us the ability to be strong men, strong women, strong people of the Spirit, Lord. Help us to acknowledge our need for you. But, Lord, let us also acknowledge as we take this cup that you're going to dwell in us and you're going to transform us, you're going to renew us, you're going to pour strength into our bodies, O oh God, strength into our minds, O oh God, strength into our spirit, O oh God. And Lord, we just surrender ourselves to you. And Lord, we remember what you've done on the cross for us so that we can walk in all of your plans and purposes for us. In Christ's name, shall we partake. Thank you. Why don't we stand? Pastor Rebecca is going to lead us in a song of worship, and then Pastor Lynn's going to come and close in a word of prayer. Here is where I lay it down, every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I Shake up the ground with all my traditions. 
to love the way you love me. Help me to be able to love others the way that you love me. And you know what helps us? If we remember. If we remember what he did for us as well as if we remember who we used to be. That'll give us a lot of grace for somebody else. We're going to pray. If you need special prayer, we'll have a prayer team available to you and I can pray with you down here bow our heads and we're going to pray for the food too because you can go right out and eat right after this okay let's bow our heads lord we thank you for your word we thank you for the lord's table today that we remember what you did for us and now your power is within us you your holy spirit is within us and lord you're increasing in us lord as we embrace your change embrace your work in us and we thank you for that now lord as we go and we have community and fellowship with one another bless the food thank you for the men that sacrificed their time and energy to cook for us and for all the ladies that baked for us we just thank you for that lord May we have a precious time in your presence as we eat together in your name. Amen. God bless you. Go get your food. And if you need special prayer, we have a prayer team here available to you if you would like some special prayer.